Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Hello, and welcome to You Might Relate. My name is Stacy Heaps. I am your host. This is episode number 53. We are almost a year doing this podcast, which has been published every single Friday for a year. And I am so glad that you are doing something that allows you to listen today. I have appreciated the emails and the comments and reviews. Please keep them coming. Doing something like a podcast is like what my brother Sam says. He's my third brother, fourth kid, third brother. But he was saying one day, it's like having a one-sided conversation with you because if he's a listener, he gets to know me and my brain and thoughts, but I don't necessarily get to hear your brain and your thoughts. And I can see that most listeners are from the U.S., but I see that we have an audience in Australia, Canada, United Kingdom, Italy, Costa Rica, Finland, Philippines, Denmark, France, Argentina, New Zealand, Chile, Germany, South Africa, Ireland, Netherlands, Colombia, Japan, Kenya, and Israel and Switzerland. So that is so much fun. And we have mostly female listeners, but we have quite a few male listeners. And I really appreciate my friends who are male that will say, you could uh, have it be more male and not so geared to female. And the age of our audience is between 35 and 44. That is the biggest population, but we have a lot in the 45 to 59. And then quite a few in the 20s and 30s. So anyway, and then some as seniors too. So anyway, it's so much fun. I'm so glad you're here. Don't be afraid to keep those comments and emails and reviews coming. I really appreciate them. Today, we are going to talk a little bit more in depth about secure attachment. And if you remember back in episode 49, so it wasn't too long ago, we just explored the attachment theory in general and how Bowlby came up with it, a little bit about all of his research. But today, we're going to focus on what I think is the best one, which is secure attachment. And you'll see why it is the most coveted, why I think it's the best. However, I'll get into that later. So you know how sometimes you look at somebody or people and you're thinking, gosh, they have very little chaos in their lives. It seems like things are pretty smooth. They're pretty secure. Well, they most likely grew up with a secure attachment or they have developed a secure attachment. So just because you didn't grow up with a secure attachment 
doesn't mean that's how your whole life is going to be. The secure attachment person is someone who feels comfortable with both intimacy and independence. So that's very important. They're good with both. They feel comfortable with both. Let's go back and just explain a little bit. If you missed episode 49, go back and listen to it. But if you grew up in a home where your caretakers, who are usually your parents, were there to meet most of your needs, you got your diaper changed, you were fed, you were given attention. And I like to call that sucker, like you were suckered. Oh, your cheeks are so chubby and cute. And oh, look at those eyes. And you're just admired and adored and loved. If you had that food suckering and you got most of your needs met, then you grew up probably with a secure attachment. And you knew before you could even speak that you could rely on your caretakers slash parents. And this is why, people, it is so important to not get strung out on drugs when you are a parent because your babies cannot rely on you. And then they go into foster care. And as good as those foster care parents, those kids are not getting the succorants that you would give your kids most of the time. But if you grew up in a home where your needs were only sometimes met, maybe because your parents hadn't dealt with their trauma or you could not rely on your caretakers to meet basic needs, then you might be avoidant, you might be anxious, or you might be disorganized. And we are going to talk about all three of those and their different subtypes in future podcasts. So stay tuned. I want to give credit to the Secure Relationship blog for some of the ideas that I will have in this episode. So characteristics of a secure attachment, let's talk about that. The ability to connect with others. People who have secure attachment, they're spending a lot of time or energy being anxious or shameful in relationships. Meaning if they do something wrong, they don't shame themselves for it. Or they're not very anxious whether the relationship's going to stay or whether it's going to dissolve, which frees up energy to focus on what is going on in the moment. So you'll have the ability, if you are securely attached, to be able to not spend time worrying about rejection or judgment. You can just speak up and express your feelings. And we all are rejected in our relationships at some point, even if it's little tiny rejections. That just is going to happen, but you don't make it mean something about you or your relationship. You have the resilience to get through it. If I say to my husband, hey, do you want to go to the little local playhouse? They're putting on a play and I want to go see it. He will decline that almost every time. And I don't have to make that mean something about our relationship or that he doesn't love me. When he asks me to go watch, what is one he wants to watch? I think the Ninja Turtles or anything that's smashing metal. I just, I hate. So I'll say, no, I don't really want to go, go with someone else. That he doesn't have to make that mean that I don't love him or I don't want to go with him. So those are kind of easy ones. But what about when it comes to your idea or having sex, right? If you're not, 
connecting in a way that maybe you want to sexually, then you might get anxious or disorganized or avoidant if you're not securely attached. But if you're securely attached and someone says, gosh, honey, not tonight, I'm just, I'm too tired or I'm just not feeling it. Let's try for tomorrow or let's try for a couple of days. Let's see how this week goes. Something like that. If you are securely attached, you're not going to take that personally. You're not going to mean that they don't love you or that there's something wrong with you. You're going to make that mean exactly what they said. So yes, are you being rejected? It's not you're being rejected, but you know, what you want is being rejected. Or maybe you want to buy a houseboat at Pal and they say, no way, that's irresponsible. We're not doing that. If that's the case, they're not rejecting you. They're just rejecting the idea. So sometimes we make it mean something about us. But if you are a securely attached couple or a securely attached person in the relationship, you will not make it mean anything about you. You have resiliency and it's okay that they rejected the idea or the activity. It's okay. The next one is being okay with yourself. And this involves looking at various situations, knowing where you have control and where you don't. Realistically, we have very little control. The only things we can control are what I like to say our thought. And I would say our intentional thoughts, because sometimes thoughts just come into our brain and we don't have control over those, but we do have control over whether they stay in our brain. So we have control over some of our thoughts. We have control over of what comes out of our mouth and what our hands and feet do, our eyes do, because sometimes our eyes roll. When we don't have control over the situation, we are able to just let it go. This certainly doesn't mean that it's not hard for us or that we don't struggle, but it means that we can acknowledge that we are powerless and just need to let go of the situation. One of the ideas that I really like are when we say, this is my business, this is their business, and this is the universe or God's business. When we can categorize things and be okay with ourselves, whether it's our business, their business, or universe's business, or God's business, then we do a little bit better. We have to acknowledge that we're, we're all powerful. We can't solve everything and that's okay. The next one is effective communication with secure attachment. So people with secure attachment use what they refer to as assertive communication. I even have an episode on this. They express their needs and feelings and desires and ideas. And they recognize that they won't always get their needs met. We have to know that. That it's impossible for our spouse or your loved one, even your parent, to always meet your needs. It shouldn't be an expectation. However, if we speak effectively, we have a much better chance of getting our needs met. Instead of expressing things as a complaint, you never clean the kitchen. You express them as a positive need that is not being met. I would love it if we could work together to find a solution to clean the kitchen together. You're able to hear the other person's point of view and compromise, and we're able to express our needs and emotions openly and honestly 
which of course fosters emotional intimacy. And then also being responsive when our partner expresses their needs and we're willing to provide support and comfort when necessary. So just pro tip here. If I say to my spouse, I really don't think you're prioritizing my need. I want you to ask yourself right then, flip it. This is what Byron Katie does, flip it. Are you prioritizing their needs in that exact moment that you're wanting them to prioritize yours? Probably not. So if that's the case, then that is why there's a whole Bible that talks about not judging. We don't want to judge people ill intent for not prioritizing our needs or whatever the complaint is, because we're probably doing that exact same thing. I love that tip. Whenever I want to accuse someone of doing something, I can actually just point it back at me and be like, I am actually doing that exact same thing. If I say she is not living her religion because she is shopping on Sundays, I see her at the store. You're not living your religion by judging her. Whenever we are judging somebody else, we have to actually look at ourselves. Okay, the next one is emotion regulation. So people with secure attachment really do know how to regulate their emotions, which actually means that you know how to manage your thoughts and not let them spiral down or spiral up or spiral out into outer space. So like today I was playing pickleball. I was doing some drills with some other ladies and I could see that, man, some of them have made a lot of improvement. So I could have a thought come into my mind like, you are the worst one. You're the very worst one here. So that thought could automatically come into my mind. And then how would that make me feel? It would make me feel maybe self-conscious and anxious and maybe even upset with myself. So then if I don't want to feel those things, I have to go back up to my thought and say, okay, you know what? Good for them. They've been working really hard to get to where they are. And there's no reason why I can't do the same thing. So I'm just going to be here. And how do you get better is you're with people that are better than you. So that's where I am. I'm with people. I'm doing exactly what I should be doing when I should be doing it. I'm with people who are better than me getting better. So that would be an example of how I regulate my emotions because I'm also paying attention to my thoughts. We all experience difficult thoughts. And then case in point, we all experience difficult emotions that are attached to those thoughts. Here's the thing, though, is some of us express them in ways that do not serve us. If emotional regulation means that you can recognize that your thoughts create your emotions most of the time, and it also means that you know how to calm your body down when you get overwhelmed or when you are underwhelmed or when you're anxious, when you're impatient, when you're not getting your needs met, you can control how your body reacts. It could be deep breathing. It could be meditation, going for a walk or a run. And for some people, it's talking, journaling, getting in the bath, tapping, meditating, eating. 
could be all kinds of things. So try to find something that is helpful and that serves you to help you with your emotion regulation if that is something that you struggle with. Okay, the next thing is healthy boundaries. This means that you have healthy expectations about how people treat you and what you are willing to do or say. It is okay to say no if you are not able to or you don't want to or you don't have time, but it could just be you just don't want to do that. And that's okay. You're an adult. People with healthy boundaries can't control what others say or do, but can respond in a way that can protect us. Toxic people do not like boundaries and will push up against them. Those people with really healthy boundaries will stand firm and let others respond how they want to respond. And remember, boundaries are not to make other people happy. They're just to make you happy and help you feel safe and protect you. And boundaries really are just for you. They are not for other people. I've, I've given this example before. If you have someone that comes to your house and you say to them, okay, my boundary is that if you do this thing, you can't come to my house. No, if they did that thing in the past, then you absolutely don't have them come to your house. That's the boundary, but you create that boundary. So let's say you know somebody, if there's a chatty Kathy, sorry, all the Kathy's out there. There's a chatty Kathy and Every time she comes to your house, she spends five hours instead of 10 minutes. Your boundary might be when you talk with Kathy, you meet her at a restaurant. You don't meet her at your house. You get to decide that, right? Okay, so healthy boundaries. The next one is finding security. So those with secure attachment grew up feeling safe. Our parents were taking care of us. And of course, life isn't perfect for anyone. My kids tell me, I have this one son and he says, do you remember the time that you dropped me off at piano lessons and then you never came to pick me up? And I'm like, never would mean that you're still there. So I did end up coming, but maybe it did take me a little while. So anyway, of course, we're not perfect parents and we all have funny stories to talk about and that's okay. But You recognize that even though things were pretty good at home, your caregiver wasn't perfect and you recognize that there are some things you need to work on yourself and you are willing to look at those things that you don't like about yourself and work on them. The people you surround yourself with are most the time healthy and you respect your boundaries, they respect your boundaries and you are there for yourself emotionally and they are there for you emotionally when you need them and you feel supported by them. That's what I mean by finding security. You are in charge of your security and you get to choose who are the people that are surrounding you. And if people don't make you feel safe, then you don't be around those people. If you are afraid of something and it could be safe emotionally, verbally, or physically, sexually, there's different times that we So that's the thing. Even when we don't feel safe sexually, okay, what are we going to do? We are going to remove ourselves from that situation. If we don't feel ourselves safe verbally, 
say we share our ideas and it, and it gets verbally attacked, we're going to probably stop sharing our ideas. So in all, all the ways, if, if someone is going to smack me every time I come over, then I don't need to be in that house or in that area. So we can find security by surrounding ourselves with people who are also secure and who also help us feel safe and who are safe for us, who build us up and who help us feel comfortable, ask us what our needs are, and, and we support them, they support us, all the things. So that's finding security. We're in charge of that. The next one is accepting imperfection with secure attachments. Those who are secure know that it is okay to be imperfect. It's okay. We do not have to be perfect. Acceptance, love, or ability to get attention are not based on being perfect. I know that I can be accepted, loved, and get attention even if I'm not perfect and maybe because I'm not perfect. You know that you will experience unconditional love whether you make mistakes or not. And this allows you to be yourself and not feel like you have to walk on eggshells. You do your best. And then when you make mistakes, you acknowledge them and learn from them. Very little time is spent on dwelling on your imperfections. And you're able to acknowledge that. Working on those imperfections is just lifelong journey. We are never going to be perfect. We're always going to have little imperfections. And that's kind of what makes us quirky and cute. So maybe we shouldn't even have to be working on all of our imperfections. Did you ever have a kid that said their R's funny or maybe not quite correctly? Let's see. What's a poet? I loved a poet. And then you just didn't want to correct them because you just loved the way they said poet. Anyway, I'm just saying not all imperfections have to be changed. We can keep some of them. So if you don't have a secure attachment style, you do not have anything to worry about. Just acknowledging it is the first step. Even though the secure attachment style is considered to be the most desirable attachment style because it does promote healthy and fulfilling relationships, but the plasticity in our brains is real and they can be molded and rewired and we can do a lot of things to help us move into more an attachment style, but also sometimes if we're a different uh, attachment style, we just have to know that and then work within that limit. So if you have autism, we're probably not going to change a ton of autism, but we can work with it. And I'm not saying that you can't change and become more secure. I'm just saying that it's okay that you're a different attachment style. We can work with that too. But I'm just, today I just wanted to focus on this. So let's get to specific things. The things that couples most disagree on, especially what I see, is sex, kids, in-laws, finances, and a new one that I have is religion. These are the five things that are most argued about within a marriage. But if you have a secure attachment style as a couple, then you would likely handle any of these disagreements with you're going to be open and respectful. You're going to be comfortable expressing your needs and emotions. And you're going to engage in open 
and active listening, right? And you're not going to be defensive or dis- or dismissive. You're going to stay on topic. You're going to collaborate. You're going to compromise. You're going to take into account both partners' viewpoints and concerns and try to find a middle ground. You're going, this is a big one. You're going to trust that your partner has a positive view of you and your partner is going to trust that you have a positive view of them. So one of the things Gottman says is that your marriage is probably not going to last if there's contempt in it. Now, contempt, oh, contempt is so hard because contempt is the feeling that a person or thing is beneath consideration that they're worthless or that they deserve scorn and that they just shouldn't be taken into account. I do see this quite often when one partner thinks they just know way more than the other partner. And so then they'll have contempt for their partner. So let's say someone might come in and say, sex is a very important part of our relationship and my spouse doesn't want to have sex as much and that they're wrong and I'm right. And so they have this contempt. They are not taking into consideration their partner's feelings about it. They just know their feelings about it. Or it could be with kids. I know it's better and I'm above how I want to raise my kids. This is how my parents did it. Or This is how I've seen it done that's better than the way you've seen it done. Or, gosh, my in-laws or my parents are way better than your parents or vice versa. Or you don't know one thing about finances. My job requires me to know and you know nothing. Therefore, I am going to take over the finances and blah, blah, blah. Or in religion, it could be either one. The person that stays in their religion or is out. Or you could both be in, but I know more about how we should be living and what standards we should be living by than you do. And I can't believe you do this thing or don't do this thing. And then the other person could be, oh, I have contempt that you're just following the rest of them. And so there's contempt. There could be contempt with all of those things. But a secure couple will stay on topic and not accuse. They will not have contempt. They will be trying to find the middle ground. And you might even say, hey, I know we're on the same team here. And all I do is have empathy and compassion for your opinion and your position. And I'm going to avoid any blame or criticism for that. We are just going to be really effective problem solvers and find a resolution here. There's always validating each other's emotions when you are in a secure relationship. If one partner feels strongly about something, then the other partner would provide that emotional support and validate their feelings. Even if you do have a different perspective, it's okay to have different perspectives. You can still validate, right? And then if a secure couple will seek professional help if needed. I can always tell who is more secure in the relationship by who will come to counseling. If one of the partners does not want to come to counseling, then I know that they are not secure. They're afraid of what they'll find out. They're afraid of 
the disagreement. If you're secure, you're here, you're open, you're honest, you're willing to dive in, you're here. Overall, a secure attachment style couple is more likely to approach a disagreement with empathy and understanding and a focus on maintaining healthy and a secure relationship. And they are going to prioritize effective communication. I don't want someone that's going to fight better than me. I want someone that's going to communicate and understand and empathize with me. Does that make sense? Maybe we could just get into like maybe how a conversation would be if one partner wants to increase the quantity of sex per week and they are going to have an open and respectful communication and let's see how this goes. So might sound like this. So partner A, hey, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind. I've been thinking about our sex life and I was wondering if we could discuss the possibility of getting it on more. And then partner B says, I am so glad you brought this up. I've noticed that you've been wanting more and I appreciate your honesty. And I want you to know that I value our connection and intimacy too. And then partner A says, thank you for understanding and not making me feel like I am a bad person or a pervert. I think it would be beneficial for both of us to explore ways to increase the quantity of sex per week. It's important for me to feel desired and connected to you in that way. And then partner B would say, I hear you and I want to find a solution that works for both of us. Can we talk about what specifically you have in mind, and then you can hear me out on what I have in mind to make it work with our schedules and other commitments. Partner A would say, absolutely. I was thinking that maybe we could set aside specific days or times during the week that we can dedicate to our intimacy. That way, we both look forward to those moments and prioritize our physical connection. And then partner B would say, that sounds like a great idea. I also want to make sure that we're both comfortable and not feeling pressured. Maybe we can start by gradually increasing the frequency and see how it feels for both of us. Then partner A would say, I completely agree. It's important for us to maintain a healthy balance and not put any unnecessary pressure on ourselves. Let's keep the lines of communication open and check in with each other regularly to ensure that we're both satisfied and happy with the changes we're making. Partner B. That sounds fair. I appreciate your understanding and willingness to work together on this. Our relationship is important to me and I want us to be fulfilled in all aspects, including our sex life. Partner A. Gosh, thank you for being open to this conversation. I love you. And I'm grateful that we can have these discussions without judgment or defensiveness. And we can find ways to enhance our physical intimacy. Okay, then partner B would say, I love you too. And I'm committed to finding a solution that works for both of us. But let's keep working on it together and prioritize it and keep communication open. Anyway, it would go something like this. And, you know, that it does sound a little, obviously, because I just made that up. It sounds robotic and rehearsed. And that's not, obviously, I know that's not going to go exactly like that. But you get the idea. It's, okay, you want this. I can understand how that is so important to you. And I would want this. 
and this is important to me, and then you would want this, and you're just going back and forth trying to find a compromise. It could be all kinds of things like maybe you're spending too much time with friends, or you don't like the way your in-laws speak to you, or you don't like the way your spouse spends money. You are going to just really practice active listening. Make an effort to listen to your partner's perspective without interrupting or becoming defensive and show genuine interest in understanding their point of view and cultivate empathy. Put yourself in your partner's shoes. And, and if you can't put yourself in your partner's shoes and put just, oh, so this is, yeah, my partner really cares about planning ahead of time or making sure everything's done so then she can, you just put yourself in their mind and their body. Like, how are they wanting to respond to things? Take responsibility for your actions. Instead of becoming defensive when confronted with criticism or feedback, take responsibility for any mistakes. When you do that, whenever someone says, oh, you're right, I did do that, it creates a safer place. Oh, this is a place where we can admit our mistakes and the other person doesn't get too mad. Okay, so I can do that too. Or they can do that too. We're going to communicate openly and honestly and seek for help if needed. Another thing that can help if someone does not have a secure attachment style, obviously, is seek therapy, but reflect on past experiences. It can be helpful to reflect on maybe how your caregivers did care for you, just to gain insight, not because that's how your life is supposed to be, but you're just understanding the root causes of that insecure attachment and practicing self-awareness. It's so crucial in changing attachment patterns to develop, like, why did I do that? To put that thought behind your emotion is really helpful. Surrounding yourself with supportive people and then any negative belief that you have about yourself. Insecure attachment styles are associated with those negative beliefs. And they might be deep-rooted because of your childhood or because often, actually what happens too is maybe you grew up in a very, you were securely attached with your parents, but then as an adolescent, Maybe you had some mean friends or you were bullied as a teenager or your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you. Those are other ways that we become, we kind of lose that attachment style sometimes in our teens. So it doesn't have to mean that you had this horrible childhood. It could mean a lot of different things. Or maybe you had a secure attachment as a child and as a teen and then you got married and then divorced and that marriage is what created an insecure attachment. So it doesn't have to be when you're a child. It just often is. So just being aware of maybe where it came from. But challenging and reframing negative beliefs is a very helpful step towards developing a more secure attachment style. So engage in your self-talk. Our brains like to be right. So if your brain says, it's just funny, if your brain would say, hey, why are you not a doctor? Jeez. You might think, because I'm an idiot. There's no way I'm smart enough to be a doctor. But if your brain says, now, why are you such a good therapist, in my case? Well, because I went to school, and I read lots of books, and I go to a lot of trainings, and I've always been interested in it. Well, sometimes just asking ourselves the right questions 
will give us the different answer. Our brains like to be right. So if you think negatively, your brain is going to come up with evidence that that your brain is right. If you think positively, your brain will come up with evidence that your brain is right. Engaging in positive talk. To all, to all that to say, please engage in positive talk. It, it is very beneficial. It's important to note that any time that we're trying to develop and change the way we think, it takes time, it takes effort, and sometimes professional help, and that's okay. Anyway, so that's what I have for you today on secure attachment. We will dive into the other attachment styles at another podcast in the next couple of weeks. There's three, and they're a little bit more challenging. And we'll dive into the whys and hows and all that kind of stuff with those attachment styles. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining me today on You Might Relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at You Might Relate Podcast. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day, so go make it a good one. Catch you next time.